Oh, how much are you picking up on, like, the ambient sounds of my house? Um, I just heard that dishes, but... Ah, the nice little clink of dishware to get us in the mood for the tavern that we're still in. (laughs) This is just good radio. (laughs) This is Brent Barricades. I am Nemo Martin, your host and moderator. I use they, them pronouns. And this weekend, Stevie and I... (laughs) saw each other in the flesh (laughs) and made a pumpkin pie so that was very good this is the stevie of which nemo just spoke (laughs) of she her pronouns um you're a researcher uh and i've been eating that pie for i've had it for three meals since we made it (laughs) that's a breakfast a lunch and another breakfast the pea so we like candied pecans to put on top Oh my god, the best thing that we've done. They're so goddamn good. We ate at least a quarter of what we served to everyone else. <laughs> and like, yeah, the entire time we would be having conversation in the kitchen and then like one of us would just like drift over to where the weekends were. <laughs> it was like... We have to treat ourselves, you know? They don't need to know that there weren't three pecans for the pumpkin pie. <laughs> we did deserve that treat. It's a celebration to, to see friend. Mm-hmm. In these times when we might not see each other again. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh. <sighs> well, speaking of never seeing each other again, <laughs> this is actually... Irrelevant segue, or it would be for the end of the three chapters we're going to discuss. <laughs> so keep that in mind. So, while I thought that this chapter was going to be the last of Tenardier for a while, um, but he holds on until the end. These chapters have been, as we said at the end of the last episode, there's like more hope and a spring in our steps and there's a light at the end of this tunnel <laughs> and it's the man, the mysterious man, uh, threatening Tenardier. So we will have all that and more to look forward to. <laughs> um, so chapter IX, which is... Nine. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was going to say six. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for saving saving me, um, Tenardier up to his tricks. So, it's the morning after, the night before. <laughs> you say that like it's a walk of shame. <laughs> I was trying to jog my memory of the last things that happened. I was like, what did happen the night before? I was like, oh yes, Jean Valjean was up until 2am being quiet and Tenardier was like, please, I want to go to bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this morning, Tenardier is writing up the bill for the yellow frock-coated traveller. We get the little breakdown, like, so supper is three francs, the room is ten. He only charges one for service, which I guess, at least, I was kind of like, yeah, I guess he knows that he didn't really do a very good (laughs) service job, so at least you were kind of, uh, being realistic with that one. If I was Hugo... (laughs) (laughs) If I was Hugo, <laughs> I would set service at like twenty francs to be like, Haha, get it because he's a really terrible host, but that he charges like so much for the hosting. Yeah, actually, surely that's the like comedic punchline. Oh well, I'm better than Hugo, so <laughs> yeah. So the total is twenty three francs, and like all great artists. Tenardier was dissatisfied. Um, but I don't know, that did give me a little ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, Such was Caster. Oh, God. I'm going to run at this name. Such was Castlera's feeling at the Congress of Vienna when drawing up the bill that France would have to pay. That I guess I this is would also. not know. <laughs> Well, we know it was at least as important as this bill that Tenardier is writing up. <laughs> how okay? How is that name spelled? Castle. Uh. R E A G H. Uh huh. How would you say that? 
Castlereagh? Yeah, that did sound like more of a name. <laughs> Vicomte Castlereagh. Um, as a British foreign secretary from 1812, he was central to the management of the coalition that defeated Napoleon. He was a British diplomat at the Congress of Vienna. Yep. Yep. And he wrote up a bill that was at least half as beautiful as Tenardier's, and neither of them satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually see Mrs. Tenardier sort of disagreeing with him. Mr. Tenardier a bit more from this point because she's like, well, okay, even I think that that's a bit much. I don't think he's gonna, I don't think he's gonna pay it. And he's like, no, 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 he'll pay. And she's kind of a bit embarrassed about having to show him this bill because she's like, I know he's, he's been throwing money around, but like, look at him. Mm. There's just like, there's no way. Um, but tonight he's like, well, I've got a debt of 1,500 francs, so you're going to give him this bill. <laughs> Again, from, so from the night before, Mrs. Tenardi was like, right, I'm done with Cosette. Today as well, that she's like, she's torturing me with that doll. I can't keep her another day. I'm turning her out today. She takes the bill, presenting such a bill to a man whose appearance was so thoroughly that of a pauper, was not, she felt, an easy thing to do. <laughs> That's... But, is she... <laughs> I'm trying to work out what Hugo, like, because does she, (laughs) she doesn't care though, she doesn't care about poor people, so like what, why is it embarrassing, like, ah, just Hugo being Hugo, I guess. Yeah, like, I get, because I was, while reading, I was like, I guess, I assume it's because she doesn't think he'd pay? Hmm. But why would that be so embarrassing? They, like, have been set up as more the type to, like, I don't know, shaken by the ankles until all this money rolls out kind of thing. Literally, like, I feel like if she was, yeah, if she was in character, <laughs> she would, like, um, be like, here's the bill, and we're going to chase after you if you don't pay every single penny. Like, oh, what do you have on you? Like, sell your fucking shoes, and then yeah. you can, like, yeah. But she's, like almost like meek about it like she hands him the bill and he's like yeah okay and she's like oh uh okay are you here long and he's like oh you know just passing through and she's like oh okay like do you get to go trade him oh, i'm so so uh, she's amazed not to witness some outburst um i mean i've cracked it she's a woman so <laughs> the obvious was staring us in the face um but yeah, then she's like, oh, you know, it's hard. We don't get many gentry passing through here. Not rich people like yourself. So uh, we've got so many expenses. Like, oh, that child. Oh, you know which child, Cosette. And she, like, goes on quite a bit saying, you know, we can't afford to keep her between, like, licenses, taxes, duty of the doors, blah, blah, blah. I don't have the time or the money to raise other people's children. I want her out of here. And he's like, ooh, <laughs> interesting thing. <laughs> What if she was taken off your hands? Uh, her face just like lights up, and she's like, "Oh my god, that it would be a blessing." Um, please, yeah, take her away. You can have her, keep her, remove her, sugar her, truffle her, drink her, eat her, and may oh the holy god. virgin and all the saints in paradise bless you. That's that's an interesting wording. I I feel like I'd never heard it like that before, but that was pretty grim way of saying yeah that. yeah very much the like you have money i don't care yes you can take her hmm. and yeah when he's like yeah okay i'll take her it's just like oh, you'll take her like i'll take her away right now right now call the child because it um <laughs> like that easy she's just wants to get rid of her hmm. and then you know, it's like, oh, I need to, you know, I'll settle the bill. How much? Oh, 23 francs. She's still waiting for, like, the big reaction. And he's like, okay, yeah, here it is. Go get the child. And that's when Mr. Tenardier comes in and is like, it's 26 sous. And I think a sou is less than a franc. Yeah, it is. So then she's like, wait, what? 26 sous? Um, he's like, yeah, yeah, 26 sous. And as Isn't for the, it? I'm pretty sure it is, right? 
I think from her reaction... Okay, yeah, Sue is less than a Frank. So yeah, Mr. Tenardier is lowering the cost because he wants to then be like, okay, we can, we'll have to talk about Cosette as a separate thing. And he sends Mrs. Tenardier off. And she watches with the sense that a great actor was coming onto the stage. And without a word of objection, off she went. This is Hugo again being like, did you know that I'm a playwright? (laughs) Lest we forget. Um, and like in the complete opposite, or a better word, juxtaposition of Mrs. Tenardier, Mr. Tenardier comes in here and is like, oh, you just can't have that child because it's just unbelievable how attached I am to her. I really adore her. You can keep your, you can keep all your money. Um, why are you trying to give me all these francs? I, I adore that child. Um, I've paid so much for her, and I put so much time into her. Um, she was ill this one time, but you know, I paid for that uh, for that medicine. I'm just so soft-hearted. Um, you see, she's like a child of our own. I need her in the house, chattering away. And the mysterious man, who is as yet unnamed, <laughs> just stares at him. Um, and then he'll go on some more, like, oh, you know, like, I need her around. I just, like, love her so much. She's one of my children. This stranger continued to stare at him intently. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, blank look. And then the, like, the anime G. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally that. But then, Mrs. Genardier, like, if he was not a rat, would now be making... A very valid point that he's like, I don't know who you are. I can't just <laughs> give you this child. I can't just like give her to you. Um, you say you're rich and you seem a decent man, but like, I don't know that. Which is a valid point. Yeah, but like, he's not making it <laughs> to for a valid reason. Oh yeah, no, he just wants to be bribed. Yeah, but. Mysterious man. This is a legitimate point. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I need to see some basic documentation at least, like some sort of passport. And um, without ceasing to stare at him with that gaze that penetrates, as it were, the depths of conscience, the stranger replied in a firm and deliberate voice, Mr. Tenardier, you do not need a passport uh, to travel out of Paris. If I take Cosette away, I shall take her away. That's all. You will not know my name. You will not know where I live. You will not know where she is. And my intention is that she will not see you again for the rest of her life. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like so yeah, it's like real like we know we know that the Tenardiers are pieces of shit. Yeah. Um and we know we know that the mysterious man has good intentions. Yeah. But, but like <laughs> If say we were just sat in that bar and you were listening yeah. and this First of all, this like small business owner is like, I can't just sell you a, a child. <laughs> and then the other man's like, I'm not only going to take her, you're not going to know even my name, and you'll never see her again. And you're like, okay, that is, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I know this is like the most ridiculous thing to compare it to, and Victor Hugo and all French people can roll in their grave, but in the Sonic movie. <laughs> <laughs> Our favourite movie. Why we Our favourite movie. Um, a cinematic masterpiece in comparison, like, same level of artistry as Victor Hugo's Les Miserables, I think. Um, <laughs> one of the characters has Sonic the Hedgehog stuffed in a bag. And, like, they're about to go in and lift. And this woman oh looks at the bag and is like, do you have your child in the bag? And the guy's like... Um, no, it's not my child, don't worry. <laughs> and she's like, uh, and like, his girlfriend is like, yeah, yeah, he likes it in there, don't worry. <laughs> and I just imagine that, um, Jean Valjean is like on the way to Paris and he's got this like bag, he's got Cosette in there. Cosette and a doll in a bag. <laughs> and like, Tenardier is like on the road, like, um, do you have your child in <laughs> And, uh, fucking John Valjean is like, oh no, she's not my child. Don't worry. <laughs> she likes it in there. Also, she likes it in there. How dare you even ask me a question? <laughs> <laughs> this, with this child in this bag. 
<laughs> he then like throws the bag over a wall and is like, yeet. <laughs> I mean, that is like, that is the vibe. <laughs> but then also like, I guess we and the mysterious man have seen that these are awful people. So I guess maybe the night before was him like scoping it out and deciding how he was going to go about this. Mm. And is this like very that is like a very powerful speech, especially because he he we Tenardier is like we all know he's getting her out of this awful situation. Mm. It's just like I guess because I'd had the week between reading those chapters and this one, I literally <laughs> my one note is like shady, <laughs> like <laughs> you're just a man with money buying a child, <laughs> literally just buying a child, yeah. Um, and her sock making yeah. skills. <laughs> For your little sock empire. <laughs> and it's at this point, Tanadio realized he was dealing with someone very powerful. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he had spent, spent the evening observing the stranger, watching him like a cat and studying him like a mathematician. He'd noticed the way the old man's intense gaze kept returning to the child. Why this interest? Who's this man? And it's like clear to him, and I guess this is why he's pushing the where's your documentation or something. Because like, well, if he had a legitimate claim, he would have made it. Like when a man is in mm. a is in the right, you assert it. So you know, bringing up the passport thing is a good way to be like, <laughs> you could bribe me, you know. Mm. Um, but this is clearly now to Tenario, not a man who's. Not gonna do things the way he wants. Um, like mm. he's clear and firm response. Um, <laughs> I like this line so uncomplicatedly mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's fucking Batman. Oh like, my god! Such a simple, uncomplicated mysteriousness. <laughs> when I read it, I was like. That doesn't make sense. But now you've said Batman, I'm like, okay, I guess it does make sense. You're just like <laughs> forthrightly like, I'm a mystery and there's literally nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and like it's a very simple kind of mysteriousness where it's like, yeah, right, you're setting yourself up yourself up to be just a mysterious dude, I guess. So So there's nothing that can be done. Um, I guess. A uh, mysterious man who who could be Batman. Batman who is known for uh, adopting random kids, especially when they're in times of strife. It's true. Was that AU? There is one vigilante AU. I don't know. I don't know if there's a specifically Batman one, but... Well, this requires further research. <laughs> don't worry. Archive of our own is open <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> That's researching I'm doing every day. Batman. Let's see. Batman. Sort and filter. There is a fic. Bruce Wayne accidentally gets sucked into someone else's love story. He eventually gets sucked into his own. Mm, I think it's it, it's a Chevron, Jean Valjean, and Batman Superman, <laughs> and George Washington, Martha Washington. Oh <laughs> you know what? <laughs> With those first two, you kind of, I was like, you know what, I'm willing to go there. But I don't know if I can take that third pair- pairing in the mix. Yeah, and then it's Batman x Martha Washington, and then it's Superman x George Washington, and then it's Napoleon Bonaparte and George Washington, and then it's Alfred Pennyworth x Cheetos x Jeopardy x Krispy Kreme. So I have to say, it's got everything going for yeah, it. Yeah, actually, you got me back with the uh, Alfred ship. Okay, well, we'll be checking if that fits in with this new uh, Batman, Mysterious Stranger, equal Jean Valjean. The the author is an orphan account, otherwise I would credit it. It's called The Journey, if anyone wants to look it up, so... Well, the uh, ship description was The Journey. It starts with an A-N... It starts with literally A slash N. I only saw swore this movie once. Okay, so shut the fuck up, haters! Exclamation Aww. point. <laughs> oh, it's it's in the style of okay. It was eighteen sixty nine, lol sixty nine, and Bruce Wayne was in Paris. His parents had been killed by a man in an alley. I have to, I have to believe that this is a parody. Yeah, we'll just read through it later. If there's it's got like- art in it, sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's got Microsoft Paint art in it. Okay, oh. I, yeah, I will read that later. I yeah. won't do a dramatic reading now. <laughs> what a beautiful relic. Why would you orphan this? Yeah, why claim this artwork for yourself? Well, I guess we don't need to write the Batman Jean Valjean crossover <laughs> of the century. It's already been done for us. Yeah. Um, well, he's standing there being uncomplicated and mysterious, and Tenardier's <laughs> like, okay, I just need to get through this quick, actually. I'm going to show my hand. Monsieur, he said, I need 1,500 francs. <laughs> um, so, of course, this mysterious stranger who looks like a pauper in his yellow coat, but uh, he's just pulling out banknotes out of his leather wallet, just takes out 1,500 francs, and is like, yeah, there you go, no problem. Send for Cosette. Meanwhile, what was Cosette doing? She rushed to her clog, and she found the gold coin inside. Not one of those ones with Napoleon. A restoration coin with the little Prussian pigtails uh, replacing the laurel crown on the e- on the effigy they bore. Um, she's dazzled by this gold coin. She keeps it close to her as if she's stolen it, even though it was left for her in her little clog. She's very pleased. The doll still is frightening her, the same way the gold coin frightens her, um, quailing under how like splendorous they seem to her. But the stranger alone did not frighten her. She's so reassured by his presence and by this man who looked old and poor and so sad and was so rich and so kind. She's meant to be getting on with work, but is kind of distracted by this gold coin quite often uh, until Mm. Madame Thenardier... Oh, in that moment, she was no longer afraid of the Thenardier woman. She was no longer alone. There was someone there. Gets back on with housework, distracted by gold coin, until Madame Thenardier comes to get her. Trying to talk in a sweet voice, but is so fake um, when she tells her to come with her. <laughs> um, and in that time, the stranger has picked up his bundle, um, which contained a little wooden dress and a pinafore, um, a little petticoat, a shawl. Uh, he's very prepared to be uh, picking up this child, which we knew he was, but would also add to the strangeness in this universe where Tenardier isn't a bastard, where you're like, you go- you want to buy this kid? Oh, you have a sack of little kid clothes? Okay. Oh, yeah, that's not creepy as fuck. Yeah, he's like, get changed and we're off we go. And like the people of the town can't even really recognize Cosette when she's not in her rags anymore. She's not worried. She's like, Cosette was going away. With whom? She didn't know. Where? She couldn't tell you. Uh, all she understood was that she was leaving behind her the Thenardier Inn. She's escaping that hated and hateful house. She walks along gravely with her big eyes wide open, gazing up at the sky. Um, she felt something that was almost as if she was with the good lord. Interesting. <laughs> A lord metaphor for a strange <laughs> man. Who could it be? <laughs> So somebody has done the maths since we did the episode where we tried to work out the maths and we couldn't do it because we're not maths people. In 2019, one franc is £4.20. So the mysterious man bought Cosette for £6,300. Which, on the one hand, you're like, wow, £6,000. But on the other hand, you're like, that's a whole child. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like 6300 is not a lot of money. <laughs> for a whole kid. For a whole child. For a kid you don't have to pay to do all your housework. Yeah. If we're going to be capitalists about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> If we're going to be a tenorier about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of that, next <laughs> chapter... Madame Tenorier is like, so what did you get for it? And he shows her the money and she's like, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> It was the first time that she dared to criticise something the master had done. Wow. It had an effect. In these circumstances, you're right, he said, I am a fool. Give me my hat. (laughs) And he's like, immediately like, wait, yeah, six grand for a whole child? I need to go get more money. (laughs) He just had six grand on him. How much? 
Well, that's, that, that is what he's thinking. That he's like, wait, so when we asked for 20 sous, he had that. And then five francs, and that too. 50 francs? 1,500 francs? It all came so, like, just as easily as the last. He was like, what? I didn't ask for over 15,000 francs? Like... (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, there's not great bargaining on the mysterious man's part. Mm. I guess he just wants to get it over and done with. But, yeah, that you are showing that you just have that amount and that it doesn't seem to mean anything to you. Mm. Mr. Tenario has a comedy of errors of trying to track them down through the town. Oh, he went the wrong way. Oh, no. He's been sent on the right path. I'm an ass, he said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, like, a strange little... Well, maybe not strange, that he goes like, Tenario was one of those jewel-natured souls that uh, sometimes pass around midst without our knowledge. And that basically... On the one hand, in a quiet and peaceful situation, Tenarier could could live as, we do not say, like, be as, what by general agreement is called an honest tradesman, a solid citizen. And at the same time, when it's not so ideal circumstances, he had everything it takes to be a villain. <laughs> that he's only really set him up as a villain to this point, so you're like, does yeah. he have it in him to, to be a uh, honest citizen? Where? Where's your receipt? Yeah. And, like, it's a little... It's too little too late, Victor Hugo. He's only shown him as a bit like a villain the entire time. And then... I don't know. That makes me really angry. Because, mm. like, he does his little, like, oh, we say he has everything it takes to live as. We don't say he can be. Like, he can just pretend to be mm. an honest tradesman. But... We just, like, really haven't seen it, and rightfully so, he really, you know, portrayed how violent and awful Madame Tenardier is. That mm. it's just, like, was a- interesting, and I mean interesting in that way, we were like, hmm. Mm. The, yeah, he was like, oh, but, you know, he can pretend that he's okay. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's like... Something, something, monster, something, something. It it annoys me because Tenardier, the Tenardiers are like const. That uh, my words coming out in one order. Let's go. <laughs> um, it really annoys me because the Tenardiers are constantly referred to as beasts and monsters, but they're also referred to uh, like with the word savage, but also in comparison to Native American and South American tribes. Mm. And it's like, and like consistently to black people and they are racialized in a way that's like all of the scare quotes, bad things about people of color and foreigners and scary people who aren't white. Mm. But that Tenardier and Mrs. Tenardier, to an, to an extent, are still white. So, you know, they're not <laughs> as bad. As, they can be civil and they can put this, like, pretend face on, mm. unlike those other ones who are just plain evil. Like, these guys, <sighs> yeah, it's just really frustrating to me, like, seeing it. And I, I, I don't... I don't think that Victor Hugo was coherent enough in his brain to have done this uh, on purpose. But but that's not to say that it's... Uh, like, that is born of him being complicitly racist. Yeah. Uh, not analysing that what he's doing in this. Oh, but yeah, that really, like, that really annoyed me. Mm. <laughs> I got so, like... <laughs> If you if you are interested in this, dear listener, reader, like go and look at every passage that the Tenardiers are mentioned in and look at who their friends are and what they do. And they're consistently linked with black people and blackness and they are linked with slavery and they're linked with uh, Native American people and they're linked with uh, Turkish people and... Uh, Arabic people and people in the Middle East and just like everyone who's not white but the Tenardiers still 
come out better like in comparison to these like other people who aren't even in it just to the notion of these other people uh yeah anyway <laughs> we still have much to unpack with that hugo <laughs> yeah because like i've read what i've read up to and mm. i reading that bit like underlined most of that paragraphs because you're like hmm that's a choice <laughs> yeah. but then you yeah you've who's read more around it and have read further in and you know have analyzed these things you're like ah that's why i felt a bit weird about it and why you, <laughs> you have enough of the cards to be like slap them down on the table like i call your bullshit <laughs> where's your receipts hugo yeah literally. on the civilized man um <laughs> chasing after this child you sold because you didn't sell it for enough, but uh, yeah, he can he can live like an honest tradesman. Take my word for it. <laughs> um, so he finally sees over a hedge. He sees a hat, and he's like, "Ah, that's the hat we were talking about last night. It's the man." Um, he sort of bursts out and is like, "Oh!" Before he does, he's like, "I should have brought my gun. Never mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna confront anyway. Uh, I'm in the mood for it." Um, it was like, "So." Uh, here I am. Forgive me. I'm sorry, but uh, here's your money back. I'm taking Cosette back. And she amazingly like shudders and huddles up to the old man. <laughs> and looking to Nadia straight in the eye and separately articulating every syllable, he said, you are taking Cosette back. <laughs> and it has the little like dashes between the words. <laughs> so you, you know how much he's like... His eyebrows are also articulating these words. <laughs> um, he's like, I've been thinking, um, I have no right to give her to you. I'm an honest man. Um, she doesn't belong to me. She belongs to her mother. So uh, I can't just sell her to you. And it's maybe pretending that Victor Hugo deserves any benefit of any doubt, which he doesn't. <laughs> but if this is his way of like pretending to be an honest tradesman... The same thing with the earlier, you know, when he was... Oh, but it's always Justin. It, it, he only says these things that would be reasonable if anybody else was saying them, because you know he's only saying them to get more money. But, you know, earlier he's like, oh, who are you? I, I can't just, like, give you this kid without documentation. Oh, I've realized, you know, I can't sell you this child. Uh, she doesn't belong to me. But you're like, yeah. Um, but he's literally doing this, um, hoping that the wallet and the banknotes are going to reappear. Because, like... Well, yeah. <laughs> the mother's dead, so like, unless you've got a note. <laughs> and then he, the, the mysterious old man's rifling through his bag. You see through his pockets that there's the wallet. Oh no, he's got a tiny little bit of paper. Um, and he's like, oh, it's going to bribe me. And does the paper. And I was like, well, here you go, sir. And it's it's a note. From, well, you're not going to believe it. It's from Fontaine. <laughs> no way. Wait, but how does this mysterious man have this note from Fontaine? Saying, you will hand over Cosette to this person and you will be paid whatever is owed. Respectfully yours, Fontaine. I did just draw a very, uh, I never left my deviant RXD phase. Because sometimes an XD just says more than a a colon and a decan. It really does. <laughs> and that was one of those moments. Um, <laughs> and and I was like, oh, fuck. That is Fontaine's signature. And he tries to sort of grumble about it, like, oh, could have could have forged it, could have forged it, but fine, whatever. And then tries again, is like, oh, but you know, it says, says here in the letter, you know, whatever is owed. I'm owed a great deal. Um... <laughs> And in that very Victor Hugo loves to list numbers way, he's like, well, remember, this is how much the medicine costs, and this is how much Fontaine agreed to pay you every day, and this is how many days it's been, so uh, actually, this is how much I would owe you, and that's some extra money that I've given you, so I've given you the full amount. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that Hugo really likes winning arguments with numbers, is a thing that I've I've learned. I like to imagine Tenardier in that scene is that gif of the white woman with the numbers going around. <laughs> yes. And then Tenardier is experiencing what a wolf experiences at that moment when he finds himself bitten and caught in the steel jaws of a trap. 
who is this devil of a man? <laughs> and then it's like, okay, okay. Give me 3,000 francs or I take Cosette. <laughs> Stranger's like, come along, Cosette. And just, like, walks. <laughs> and Tanani is, like, trying to chase after them. And the man keeps stopping and just, like, looking back with a blank face. And then walking on a bit. And Tanani chases after them a bit more. They, like, get through. You know, it's winter, so there's not many trees you can hide behind. There's not many leaves. He's trying to hide himself. And he's, like looks around the man is there he's paused again just staring back (laughs) over and over until finally um he keeps trying to do this pursuit and the man turns again he stared in such a sinister way that Tenardier decided it was no use going any further and retraced his footsteps I can't every time you say a blank face I just imagine like the most like anime when they do that like cut away to like a chibi face that's just like really like two dots yep. and a line <laughs> uh, yeah i think this is the scene that we're missing in the movie <laughs> only this one only this one scene <laughs> yeah yeah to go peak uh anime on it well we didn't ever finish shoujo kazette yeah maybe well it happened yeah, that's right. We yeah, maybe this does happen exactly like that in Children's Gazette. <laughs> because yeah, you can so perfectly imagine the anime no no expression, fuck you face. Yeah. <laughs> Just a big old rectangle with <laughs> two dots and a line. <laughs> two little rectangles for the uh, sidebands. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And that finally one so blank and powerful, it defeats Tsunadie. <laughs> and the last chapter of this book, finally, because I know we've all just been desperate to know, who is this man? <laughs> You'll never believe it, says Victor Hugo. Jean Valjean was not dead. Oh my god. <laughs> Plot twist. He's like, so get this. When he fell into the sea, or rather threw himself into it, he was, of course, unshackled. And then goes off on this long, like, so anyway, he swam to here, and when he got there, he then went here. And from there, he then went to there. And from there, he went to this cafe. And then from that cafe, he went to a refuge in this other area uh, and there's like a lot of Jean Valjean kind of was on his like hot boy summer he hit <laughs> up a lot of places and like feel it with the way it's listed it feels like in a short amount of time but what first kind of got me when he got out of the water that fake death uh, save that man from the ship experience he was not without many he was able to buy some clothes okay and when yeah <laughs> because we know later on he picks up some money in the woods we saw that happen mm. but like he'd just been on that he'd been a lifer shackled on that ship as a prisoner so how do you what where do you get where that did money get the money where's the money from did I, he have it like did he stuff it somewhere where the sun doesn't shine and keep stuff in it (laughs) (laughs) that feels like the only explanation because i just don't imagine and maybe we're wrong that they'd be paying them on the ship he does he does earn wait okay 19 francs is more than i've uh, no wait that the the silverware is more than i've earned in my 19 years in jail that's a thing that happened in the novel oh, yeah, yeah okay but like okay i guess i can't be pointing fingers without doing my other job secondary research <laughs> i'm looking at but like i had kind of been picturing that they tot up what you yeah. made and then and then like, at the end yeah. they like sort of hand you okay well you worked for this many hours so you're owed this much money but then i guess maybe Maybe it does make sense if they pay them during so you can buy, like, cigarettes and things like that. Yeah. But did that, did the, 
commissionary exist in 19th century <laughs> prison? I see a topic that I'm gonna need to do some further research on. Yeah, because I yeah, I do know some people who have done s- some research, like Tumblr Ooh, people. Okay, so I cool. can recommend you to them, but yes, please, because it really, honestly, I stopped for a very long time to be like, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? No. What? Because <laughs> then yeah, I was like, oh no, 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 wait, no, but he he picked up some money. He picked up some money. No, wait, that was after the ship. Mm. He just has it and he Victor Hugo blusters through it through it like pretty quick he's like you know he wasn't without money he was able to buy some clothes full stop anyway then he went to this cafe and did this and this and this and you're like (laughs) what what you can't try and bury this I'm still wondering um yeah and it's not like he hasn't I'm assuming he wasn't in there for like a year but I'm assuming it was more than like a week so it's not like he it's not like he could just hide the money somewhere. Slash, he had like a coin sewed into some clothes or whatever. He's like in a mili- in a prison uniform, right? So yeah, and he just dived into the ocean. Yeah, so it's not like he can have banknotes either. No, which is... in his shoes. Mm-hmm. Ex- you know, Victor Hugo. The one time I wanted you to like maybe <laughs> yeah. explain your working out as the only. I'm gonna have to go to my grave maybe with this question (laughs) we need no further detail (laughs) which Victor Hugo only does that when he doesn't have an answer yeah yeah so somehow he had money to buy those clothes and then go on this trek around um a lot of places in Ain, the Pyrenees, Écance, Le Grange de Dominique, Chavez, Le Bruins he got to Paris the important one for us. Uh, and we've just seen him at Montfermeil. Um, so we're now going back to Paris. <laughs> and his first order of business is to buy morning clothes for the little girl and then to find lodgings. So I was like, oh, that is kind of smart. Buy some morning clothes. And then was like, oh, I like wrote the note. I was like, oh, to pretend like you have a fake dead wife, and that's why you've only got a kid. But then I was like, oh no, but you're, you, as we've all said, you may look younger than your years, Jean Valjean. Now that we know that is your name, <laughs> but we also do know that you look like an old man. So, are you the granddad? I know that yeah. this will be answered further in the book, but I honestly <laughs> don't know really. At this point? It's not him being clever. He's literally just like, hey, Cosette, you need to mourn for your dead mum. Okay, he was being very literal about it. Okay, I was was like, that's good. I was like, (laughs) maybe Fontaine should have done that. You know, with the like, oh, people will know that my daughter out of wedlock, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what if we all just put on a little black outfit? (laughs) And then people will be like, oh, yeah, no, that's sad. And you don't need to say more because you don't want to probe on that sad business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she could have done literally anything, <laughs> but didn't. Also, like, this is coming from the man who, like, he changes his name, I guess, uh, to Ultime uh, Fauchelevon, um, but doesn't change her name, which is so, like... <laughs> Ah, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> like, she becomes Cosette Fauchelevent, but she doesn't change her first name. And technically her first name is Euphrasie, but still, like... No one knew her as that. Yeah, that exactly. So change her name to Euphrase uh, Fauchelevent instead of Cosette Fauchelevent. Yeah, literally like... no one would have followed that paper trail. <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, the first thing that Tenardier is like, oh, Cosette, like, the Cosette that was in the That I knew and had that hair and eye colour and uh, (laughs) Paris isn't all that far away. (laughs) Um, So I guess I have to retract that little note I wrote in this book of like, ooh, good, 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 with the uh, fake (laughs) morning. You're still in the Owarinaki um, Tabiji mind frame yeah. where we like sat there, where she's like in her bright red 
little oh my God. outfit and they're like trying to run away from the police and we're just like take off her fucking jacket <laughs> she's like literally a red flag like put her in some <laughs> black clothes please i guess in that way it remains to me the most faithful adaptation <laughs> <laughs> where we're like are you a dumbass Jean Valjean and then the book is like yeah don't worry he is 100% himbo yeah uh, but he can do maths so. but he can do maths to win an argument <laughs> um, as the reader will recall he's been to Paris already because uh, that's where no one for me hmm. what do you want me to recall Victor Hugo <laughs> the order of things happening that the, the words are written down is he got to Paris, we have just seen him at Montfermeil. His first concern on arriving in Paris, blah blah blah, morning clothes. Having done that, he went off to Montfermeil. The reader will recall he had already had a mysterious trip there. But he said Paris, Montfermeil, Paris, Montfermeil. Paris, I think, because he. Oh, wait. Okay. Well, he went to Paris and then he met the king. But he also went to Montfermeil and had a mysterious thing in the forest. Yeah. So, so what do we... The reader may recall many things that yeah. have happened in this novel. I guess either way, we know that... I guess it's true. Either way, that we recall that he's had some <laughs> mysterious trips to some various locations. <laughs> and... That he's believed to be dead. <laughs> oh, what's his fucking name? The comedian with the horse in the hospital. John Mulaney. Yeah, he's taken Cosette to a second location. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he has. And we don't know which one of those ones we're being reminded about. <laughs> we'll never find her. I guess maybe he was smart. I couldn't follow the bread trail. And it's been written down for me. <laughs> um... He gets to Paris, and he sees a newspaper, and it reports, and like, does he say, wait, in Paris? Yes, in Paris he happened to come across the very newspaper that (laughs) happens to be reporting on Jean Valjean's death. (laughs) And they just love little coincidences that really happen like that in the real life. Yeah. And he felt very reassured, almost at peace, as if he really had died. You're like, oh, Jean Valjean, some issues. I was actually <laughs> listening to a podcast called Ear Hustle, which is uh, a podcast where um, it's about incarcerated people um, by someone who is incarcerated and an artist who volunteers at a uh, prison in California. And they were talking about the story about this guy who the entire time I was like, this is some Jean Valjean <laughs> bullshit. He like, so the workshop in the prison that he was in was uh, renovating this like huge fan. And so he, this guy who uh, escaped prison, realized that he could get into the fan and like lock himself in there. And it got like taken out of the prison. Um, and he like, got out of the fan once the once the the truck had like left the prison and he like basically went and moved to a town and lived under a false name and he met his wife and then had a life there and had some kids um and then was like in he was picking up a tv guide and he like was looking at what was going to be on that evening and he scrolled he like looked down at America's Most Wanted oh my God. and he saw his name there and he was like he, I think it was the first time he watched a show or something or he like he just happened to look at it and he saw his name and he was like oh fuck <laughs> so he like got on the first plane to Australia and then from Australia went to the UK and got his citizenship in the UK and like managed to do that called his wife and was like okay you know i think i'm safe now um they won't find me like his wife knew um Mm. even before they were married and he was like don't take i I need you to like take my money out of my account but don't do it in like huge batches just do it like casually and bring that cash to me in the uk and it's not clear whether she just she didn't do it 
because she just didn't think it was important or whether she like just didn't follow the instructions. She just took all of the money oh my out God. at once, <laughs> took it to the UK, and obviously at the UK, the police waiting for her and they just tailed her to him. Um, but yeah, the entire time I was like, because he like just so happened to be looking in the newspaper and saw his like report and I was like haha yeah that is weird wait but it did just happen in that podcast oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, I guess more likely than you think yeah yeah wow Fiji Hugo foreshadowed that whole thing happening <laughs> <laughs> in like the 1990s I yeah. think it was oh wow <laughs> god that'd be so wild I guess America's most wanted because mo- I listened to some podcasts with uh like true crime ones sometimes and it does come up a lot of people realizing from watching an america's most wanted being like oh damn i saw that person today passing through town you're (laughs) like huh okay (laughs) fate or providence is working through america's most wanted yeah i i wonder how many people have been reincarcerated because of america's most wanted like that's wild. Yeah. And also, like, the most snitchiest thing. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> god, that should be... That would be the accurate modern AU of this, <laughs> is that it's America's Most Wanted that trips up Jean Valjean. Yeah, literally. Like, it's not even that thing where, you know, in a lot of films where, like, they're on the run and they're in a uh, a diner, a roadside diner, and they look at the TV and then they see their faces. Mm. <laughs> Apparently, 17 fugitives have been caught with the help of America's Most Wanted. I don't know how long that show's been going, though. It's been a long time. Yeah. That's still 17. Jeez. And this newspaper was just the, um, <laughs> the old version. Feeling... The oldie version of America's Most Wanted, <laughs> Paris's Most Wanted. <laughs> yeah, I just happened to come across it, but now we know that I don't get to scoff at that. Yeah. So thanks for that, Nemo, taking that. I put that scoff back in. <laughs> um, on the evening of the same day that he rescued Cosette, uh, Jean Valjean returned to Paris. At nightfall, got in a cab, paid the coachman, took Cosette. And together in the darkness of night, through the deserted streets around some very French places, they made their way towards the Boulevard de l'Hôpital. For Cosette had been a very strange day, full of excitement though. Um, They'd sat behind a hedge eating bread and cheese. They changed coaches frequently. They'd gone some of the way on foot. She was uncomplaining, but very tired. He eventually lifts her up onto his back. And without letting go of Catherine, Cosette laid her head on Jean Valjean's shoulder and fell asleep. And just instead of giving that the nice pause it deserved, I was like, "What? Well, lest we forget, Catherine is the name of the doll. That's who uh, Cosette is carrying and laying on Jean Valjean's shoulder. <laughs> he didn't buy two children. He did buy the doll, though. <laughs> so I guess he did buy them both. <laughs> I wonder how much cheaper Catherine was than Cosette. We don't know how much Catherine was. Yeah. Well, that was some foreshadowing. You had so much money, Jean Valjean. Buy Eponine, Azoma, and Gavroche too, please. Yeah. You can afford to buy three more children. Like, he, his view of at least the two little girls was kind of like, well, he saw the mother doting on them. But he mm. heard the the child crying in the crib th- through the entire scene, the whole night. So he yeah. he knows at least one of the other children's in a bad way. Yeah, at least take him like on the way out. Pretend it's Catherine. Put the doll <laughs> in the crib, and then, the baby like, in a bag. Uh, do you have a child in that bag? Oh no, it's not one child, it's two, and they're not mine. <laughs> well, do you think it would maybe cover his tracks a bit better? Because he'd be like, no, 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 I can't be Jean Valjean. You kn- like, you know, Javert. I, Jean Valjean, I've heard tell, told you he was going to go pick up a child. Oh, but look here, one, two, two children. Can't be him. <laughs> Only a fool would try and go on the run with a small child and a baby 
<laughs> this is um what's that film the the horror film where it's like you have to be quiet is it just the quiet place i think i never watched it I, that feels right though it's like yeah because there's a small child <laughs> and a baby <laughs> um, that's not what you want when you want to be quiet nope 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 no it is not yeah it is very much not what you want but they have the baby after the fucking incident occurs. Mm. Like, you know, why are you having sex? Yeah. <laughs> At people who feel that desire, why? Yeah, literally. <laughs> think about it. Well, I still think that would have been, well, maybe it wouldn't have been a good cover. But go on, Jean Valjean, <laughs> what have you got to lose? Exactly. You you um, still need to save children because of that child you uh stole the money from so just steal that child and then raise him and then and it will the, the, be great there's been no child stealing there's been child <laughs> buying lawful <laughs> child <That's> acquisition <laughs> well <laughs> he did put that extra money in on top of cosette's bills so surely that pays for cover yeah. he's only like what six months old like how much can a six month old be worth <laughs> <laughs> on the market today <laughs> how many frank the fbi agent who's listening in just like looking at my my search history how much is a six-month-old baby worth <laughs> on the black market oh well but at least it's hopeful at least it's on the up and up you know nothing bad happens after this so yeah this is where the book actually ends this will come as a surprise to some of you who feel like you've read further than this. Actually, everything that comes after is up to your imagination of the happier ending that could have been, where he did go back and was like, okay, Tenardier, last time I know like you were following me and I was giving you that look. Okay, let's reverse it. You can give me some looks. I actually am in the market for another child. <laughs> and then like uh they go to Paris and then they're in this like house and then Jean Vachon not Jean Vachon, the other one, Javert is there <laughs> and he's like, Oh, you've stolen a child and then Jean Vachon is like, No and then he gives him a look and then Javert's heart melts instantly and then they raise a family of four together and it's uh, happily ever after. Um and then Fortine comes in the door and she's like, I didn't actually die, bitch. Um <laughs> Was it rumours of my death are greatly exaggerated? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this has actually reminded me. While I was reading, I think it was mostly the chapters from last week, and then I forgot while I was re- regaling you all with them. Um, <laughs> as I was reading them, I was like, this is so familiar. And then realised it was because the Harry Potter AU fic that I read and talked about at the end of that episode really closely follows the events of the like child acquisition (laughs) except that in that fic Javert's there too and Javert is like the Stevie who was reading the events unfold like he doesn't get overly involved he's kind of watching it play out and is like what? <laughs> Which was me reading some of them. But yeah, but like Javert's there and is like, you can't pretend like this amount of money is difficult for you to give. He's only going to ask for more. And you're like, read through all of this now. And you're like, he was right. <laughs> I mean, that's what we liked here in the year 2020. Javert was right. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> A very specific fan fiction AU, Javert, was right. Yeah. Yeah. He's yet to be right in the canon. Yeah. I don't know if I hold out hope. I'm interested to see where he, where he goes. I mean, you have to consider the fact that every fan fiction that contains Javert is a redemption arc, literally because he doesn't get uh, one. There's so much novel. that needs to be redeemed. Yeah. <laughs> I can fix him. now just that lingering feeling of like i've seen this all before and maybe it was better that time oh it was the fic (laughs) but next book book four coming up soon we're getting through we are getting through it we are rip roaring through it (laughs) um 
This has been Brent Barricades, a Lemos podcast, produced by me, Nemo Martin, and Julian Yap. It was a Captain's Collections podcast. Uh, our audio director is Jade, who you can find on her website, jadewasabi.com, or on her bandcamp, jadewasabi.bandcamp.com. If you like this podcast and you would like to uh, give us some comments, questions, or quibbles, you can email us, lamerspodcast, l-e-s-m-i-s-podcast at gmail.com, or on Twitter, at lamerspodcast, or on Tumblr, at friendbarricades. Uh, if you do like this podcast and you would like to help us out, you can donate to us on Ko-fi or on Patreon. And I think that's everything. Thanks for listening. Thanks. <laughs> as soon as you start doing the, uh, this was bar, the theme song immediately starts playing in my head. <laughs> like, through the entire thing as well, just like... Know that I'm buffing. <laughs> <laughs>